755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Hello and welcome back into the latest edition of 755 is real. Producer Cam here. Another live room edition of the podcast. A lot of fun today. We hosted the live room on Monday, May 2nd at about 1 p.m. Eastern time. Some stellar questions that you'll hear in just a little bit that David and Eric answered, including will Michael Harris be with the Bravos sometime this season? Can Spencer Strider move into that fifth starter role? And then what about Dansby Sponson? Will he get a new contract by midseason or season's end? Or could we see potentially a guy with the moniker of Braves Killer slide into that shortstop role next year? If you want to get updates for when we do the live rooms, make sure you're subscribed to David and Eric on Twitter. That's at D-O-B-R-I-E-N-A-T-L and at EOF34. Also, make sure you are subscribed to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And in addition, on The Athletic, so you guys can ask your questions as subscribers to David and Eric in real time. Excellent deal, The Athletic's hosting right now. $1 a month for six months for a subscription. Cheaper than the price of coffee. Cheaper than a microtransaction for Candy Crush. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash 755 is real. 755 is real. The Athletic will hook you up. You can read all of David's stellar work on the website. All of our superb MLB coverage as well as NFL draft coverage that we just finished doing. A lot of great stuff there. Make sure you do all of that. And in addition, let us know how you like the live rooms. Not only in the podcast format, but interacting with us as well on the Athletic app. Leave a comment on Apple, Spotify. Leave a comment on the show post that you'll see today on Twitter. Just let us know how you guys are feeling about it. One last thing before we go to David and Eric. Quick programming note. We're going to do two shows this week. Instead of three, the next show will come this Thursday. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Make sure you're subscribed on all the platforms that I mentioned before so you'll receive a notification when that show is released. Next week, we hope to be back to three shows a week. We'll keep you posted. But until then, here's David, here's Eric, answering your Braves questions in the 755 is Real live room in the Athletic app. All right, we got Jake. Hey. I was wondering, after Kyle Muller had a terrible start, when do you think he's going to get another shot, or do you think it'll be a while before we see him in the majors again? Well, he got optioned down, so he's down for at least 15 days. And uh, unless there's an injury or another doubleheader or they they decide that they need to give somebody a little more rest, I don't, I don't anticipate seeing him back real soon. He didn't do much to warrant being get another start real soon. Uh, yeah, we've talked about this in the past, but that's, you know, that's one of the toughest things about being in that in that spot where you're going up and down between AAA and the big leagues is he's wondering the same thing himself. You know, you get this opportunity and you feel like you got to make the most of it and you come up and kind of shit the bed a little bit. Uh, you know, it's the team doesn't want to see that again. So you have to go back to AAA and you have to wait for an opportunity or an injury or a doubleheader or something like that. And then at the same time, you have to be pitching well, you know, to, to get that opportunity. So every one of these starts for a guy like that is crucially important. And I think it adds a lot of stress to them and, and extra pressure. But, you know, it, it comes down to you have to get the job done when you get that opportunity. You can't walk the yard. You can't walk five nope. or six guys and expect for them to, to be. This isn't development, development nope. league. So they're yeah. not worried about these guys development as much as they're worried about winning now. So they have to do whatever they think is going to help them win now. 
And I mean, frankly, that doesn't what we saw from from Kyle yesterday or from Elder for the most part in his last three starts. I mean, Elder had some hot, some bright spots within those starts, but the walks are just going to that's the, the, the that's your ticket out of the majors faster than anything to go back down to where you can harness that and come up and throw strikes. Because that just nothing drives Snicker or most managers more. Any manager walks free passes. Yeah. yeah, agreed. All right, we got a uh, Walker H. Hello. Yeah. Oh, I can hear y'all now. Sorry about that. I was on my car. Um. Oh, this is mainly a question for you, but for you, um, with all the change in the ball, as a pitcher, what ball do you like better? I mean, I know that y'all discussed consistency and just pitching one staying with it but um do you think a ball that is more juiced like a few years ago or a ball that's more dead like this year is better for the game other than just consistency but i just want to know your opinion on it well as a pitcher you know i mean definitely the dead ball but um so the one thing i think about it when when i watch the game now you know seeing all these fly balls to the warning track is those used to be homers so i think that's drastically change the approach in the game where it's worth it to sell out and try to lift the ball, you know, and and those fly balls wind up scooting out of the park versus in the past. If you had that approach, you know, you wind up hitting 220 and flying out to the track. It's not the rewards not there. So I think that it's kind of skewed the hitters approach and led to a lot more strikeouts and a, a slower pace game. The fact that guys can sell out for home runs and actually get rewarded for it. So I think long term, if you see hitters make the adjustment and they keep the dead ball, you'd have a lot more uh, balls in play and and a lot more action throughout the game. So I think, you know, for me, I think it is that the dead ball might be better for pace of play and more balls put in play. But, um, you know, I mean, it's been tough to watch this year, all the fly balls to the wall track too. Right. Well, I, and what I, and what's, what I find to be more frustrating than anything is the fact that you watch some of these games, like the games uh, against uh, the Rangers down at their new dome, I think that the we're seeing the obvious effects of putting humidors in every ballpark because yeah. as as described by Dr. Willis, the ball deconstructionist, she's like an expert in, in, in ball makeup. And she explained why, how these humidors are affecting balls and literally making the seams rise in some of them by, by when you're adding or subtracting moisture in the different parts. And MLB did not do enough research in advance on how this the different humidors were going to affect the balls in different cities. And I think I wasn't seeing balls die on the track in Texas. Like I saw them die on the track in San Diego, LA and and in Atlanta so far. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's another thing that, that nobody wants is an inconsistent result from the ball. That's probably the number one thing you want to avoid. And and in general, you just want to avoid these changes all the, uh, every year. So guys can have a consistent approach and, and train in the off season to be at their best. I just don't think they needed to put humidors in all the ballparks. That was just overreacting to a problem that's not there. They put it in, in, in Denver for a reason. It's a mile high with thin altitude. Okay, well, that's right. an exception. You don't need to try to make – their theory was that by putting humidors in every ballpark, you're going to make the balls react the same everywhere. But the scientists have since come out and said that's not how it works. Right. Because you still got to transport the balls there. You're not putting them, and then there are two weeks. It's not enough time for the for the humidors to take effect on the balls. And then when you take them out, you're going to have the atmospheric conditions that you had to begin with. So it's that they didn't take into account what it was going to do to seams on the balls. So I think we're seeing seams rise and be higher in some places and not in other ballparks. 
which is not right. So, right. Yeah. I, I think it's just, it's just kind of a mess and they just need to come up with a ball and a plan and stick with it and let the players adjust. Um, and it, it just can't change every year. Yeah. Al Leiter was showing the tack ball they're working on. It's got a little bit of tackiness to it. And he, he had it on the MLB Network the other day, and, and he said he really likes it. I mean, if they're making progress towards it. So that could, you know, if they're not going to, uh, if they're not going to, if the balls are going to be chalky or slick, then, then, you know, with the humidors and all that, that could be, a, that could really help in that regard. Yeah, I think that's probably the best move. Who right. we got next? Thanks, Walker. Uh, we got George C. You're on, George. Uh, hello, guys. Hey. Uh, can you hear me? Uh, uh, yeah. How you doing? How you Pretty doing? good. You? Good, good. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, uh, I wanted to ask um, uh, if if Michael Harris uh, continues playing like like he's playing right now, do you think there's any chance that he gets called up or, uh, or we see him before the end of the season? And uh, and I wanted to hear you guys take on this proposal that I heard. Uh, what if MLB like uh, they they created an official substance that pitchers could use that improved their grip and they bring back the juice balls? Uh, could you get behind that? Or uh, those are my questions. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Michael Harris, we could see him if they, you know, because they're bound to have an injury or two in the outfield. We've done it every year, which is why they had to trade last year for some outfielders. Um, and if you have an injury or two, they don't want to rush him, and he's not going to come up next week. You know, I know he's raking right now in Double A, but this guy still played like 20 games above A ball or less, less than that. So the last thing you don't want to do with one of your very top prospects is rush him up before you think he's ready. And you can't go based on what he's doing against Double A pitching. I mean, that it's, it's just entirely different, you know. But I, I've said from day one, this guy's going to be a star, man. There's no doubt in my mind. He's a five-two player. And once he gets here, I think he stays here. So kind of like Acuna, you don't bring him up till he's ready, but there's not going to be any of the uh, service time manipulation in, in Harris's case, I'm pretty certain. Um, yeah, you could see him in the second half or September, if nothing else, because I think they'll uh, – I don't think they'd mind adding him to the 40 in September because he's going to be fighting for a spot, a roster spot, next spring training, I would, I would guess, for an opening day spot. Okay. Yeah, if you're if you're ready, you know, I mean, if a team needs help and you're the best candidate for it, I don't see them holding him back. But you definitely don't want to rush a guy like that because he's not a guy you're going to want to send down. Like Dave said, when you call him up, you want him here to stay. Yeah, you don't want to go back and forth bouncing like Pache did, you know. Right. That's just that that did not help anybody. Not that he's Pache because this guy can hit. Right. But Pache hitting the minors, you know. Not like this guy, but anyway, what, what was your the question about the balls? Uh, he was asking about a sticky yeah. substance and juicing the balls again. They are trying to do that. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. I mean, it was rosin for however long, but yep. the change that happened in the balls for me during my career was the seams did get a lot smaller and the balls got slicker. And, you know, that's you've seen all the hit hit by pitches and everything this year. I don't know how much of that is is has to do with the balls, but if the pitchers say it's it's harder to control, I'd believe them. Um, you take you take their ability to grip the ball away, 
Um, you know, part of the reason that teams looked the other way for so long, as long as they did, was everybody knew the balls were slick and they were hard to grip. And a little bit of pine tar, nobody really thought was a right. big deal. The hitters wanted the pitchers to be able to grip the ball, so they didn't hit them in the head. Um, 20 times so, like the Mets have been hit. Exactly. So I, I just think that once the Astros or other teams took it too far with that spider tack stuff that yeah. you could climb up the side of a glass building with – um, it got out of hand and, and the team, the league had to crack down. It'd be great if there was a universal substance, um, as long as it wasn't adding spin, which I think is going to be tough to come up with. But for me, the best, the best option is just, uh, a tackier ball, not juicing the ball. So you don't have guys swinging for the fence. You know, you want them putting the ball in play and you want that fast pace, but just a tackier ball. That's just realistic. You know, it doesn't have to go 500 feet on a pop-up. It doesn't have to die at the warning track if you nut it. So I, I think they're on the right track. Um, and I think you just stick with trying to figure out that sticky ball as much as you can or tacky ball. Eric, I meant to tell you, man, uh, we had an incident at the end of spring training, the last week of spring training. In fact, it might have been the last game in Tampa uh, or against Tampa. Um, you know, you were talking about how uh, suntan lotion, suntan oil mixed with the rosin yep. created a really sticky substance. Yeah. Well, the Braves had a minor league pitcher in one of those final games, and he had suntan because it was really sunny, and he had suntan lotion on. And combined with the rosin, yep. it made him really sticky, and they checked the pitchers coming off the mound like they're doing a real game. The ump told him if this was a real game, he would have got ejected. Yeah, and that's really tough because you can't tell guys they can't wear sunscreen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what do you want them to get, melanoma? Exactly. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is to that. It'd be great if um, the balls were just tacky and you didn't have to worry about it. They've been a lot more lax. You know, pitchers coming off the field now, they just rub their hand instead of checking their whole body for, you know, some kind of substance. But um, I think they're on the right track with that. Yeah, they know it's a problem. Anyway, all right. Thanks, thanks George. George. Get it. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. And uh, now we've got Reggie W. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. So this question is for uh, David. I noticed in the last uh, live room you talked about not adjusting the rotation uh, for the Mets series. But I saw the last game where Kyle uh, Muller was the pitcher. Yeah, I was wondering, yeah. did you kind of ask uh, any questions post-game as, or what was the rationale behind it? Because when you're looking at the rotation setup for the Mets series, it's our top four starters. Yeah. So that, yeah. I just was wondering. Well, Snit said that it was just to give Freed an extra day of rest, but I agree with you. It was – to me, it was done to get free to face the Mets rather than face the Rangers. That didn't work out the way they had hoped with the Rangers because they didn't take advantage of the opportunity to win a series. But 
it to me that was a lining free pretty obviously to go against the uh the Mets. But the rest of the rotation was the same as it was. So I mean that's just the way that worked. But by by moving free back a day they did they didn't even though they didn't admit it, I think that's what they were exactly what they were doing. So for me I don't I don't always love that. I'd like to see Freed pitching that winnable game, you know, that, that yeah. one that you feel like you can close out a series. But yeah, yeah it seems like that's out. what they yeah. did. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, also, as far as uh, Soroka, I know I heard something about him or some, uh, I was watching somewhere they were talking about him, uh, I guess, mid-summer or after the All-Star break. That's still the expected timeline for him. They haven't really given a timetable because they want to avoid setting it up where he's answering questions or they're answering questions on why he's not ready when they said he was. Yeah. So they're just avoiding it altogether, which I think is very smart because we're in uncharted waters with this guy. I think people got to realize there's literally never been a pitcher come back from a twice put timetable on something when you have nothing to base it on. So, um, you know, I, we had different doctors. I had a doctor say, uh, say that with the normal Achilles, you know, the recovery is about nine months. So with a with a uh, so with a uh, a nine months to a year, and with a second time, it would be more like eighteen months. But I haven't. But other doctors haven't said that. So I, I again, I think I don't think really doctors even know because they it's just not something that they have any case studies to go off of. So, but if it is eighteen months, then he's not going to pitch this year. And the Braves say, you know, they are hoping that he pitches in the second half. You know, I, I've heard the same thing sometime after the All-Star break. But he's not, at this point, he's not on the mound where you can say it's going to be another two months or whatever. It's just not there yet. He's not far enough along yet to really pinpoint anything. You just have to view him as a bonus, but not right. something that you're counting on. Right. And that's the way the Braves have done it. They were not counting on him when they, when they entered this season. Thanks, Reggie. Nice, Reggie. Thank, right, you. Thank you. Thank you. Robert G. What's up, Robert? How's it going, guys? Thanks for doing the show. Uh, DLB, I love the way you deal with the uh, trolls on Twitter. It's pretty entertaining. Uh, <laughs> what I was going to ask is, um, with Jackson, Steven, and uh, Chavez kind of filling that nuke role, uh, do you see them giving uh, Strider a chance at the fifth spot? Since, I mean, he is a young yeah. guy, so sometimes you don't want to rotate them too much if they're having success in the pandit. But do you think they kind of give him a, spot, a chance at that fifth role? I think they need to. I mean, I think he's done enough in his, uh, he's only had, I think, one bad outing and, and, and he's had like three or four really impressive ones. So he throws strikes. He doesn't walk, you know, three or four guys. I think he's got it. You know, he's not, he's, a, he's really a two borderline three pitch pitcher, but you know, with a hundred mile an hour fastball, you can probably get away with that. And again, they wouldn't be expecting him to go five innings, but he could go three or four. And that's more than you're getting, you know, at this point out of, uh, you know, out of Mueller or even out of Elder. Elder. Elder's gone deeper than that in games. I shouldn't say that he's not going deeper, but he's just walking too many guys right now, and he needs to, to work on that again. And go back down, get his confidence back and all that. So if it comes up again, and it will, I think Strider probably does need and, – and the other thing is he's still stretched out right now, but if you go another month of him just pitching in relief going two or three innings at a time, it's not going to really be stretched out to go any further than that. And I think right now he could go potentially, depending on how efficient it is, he could go four or five innings right now. He's still stretched out enough from spring training that if he was efficient, he could do that. So now's the time to do it if you're going to do it. Right, yeah. I look at I look at Moeller, just his makeup on the mound and his presence, and his, I just hope he puts it together. He's such a 
he's got such a great future if he can just put it all together. So I guess we'll see. Well, we saw it last year. I mean, yep. we saw it at the major league level, you know. I'll never forget that game he pitched in Cincinnati where it was like, okay, this guy's figured it out. I had the same feeling that day watching him as I've had watching Kyle Wright this year, except Kyle's done it game after game after game after game. Mm-hmm. And Mueller didn't do that. He just did it for a couple of games, and that particularly that one in Cincinnati. But we saw it. I mean, it's there. Yeah, him and Tukey, you kind of hope one of them sixty pounds, and he throws upper 90s, and he's got a great slider. And I mean, it's there if he just can 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 just hone the can command a little bit more. Appreciate it, fellas. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Conrad L. Hey, guys. Thanks for doing this. Um, I'm interested, and and you may have mentioned this earlier with Soroka, too, but is there any, has there been any talk about Kirby Yates and what kind of impact he could have to the bullpen when they add him? Yeah, I mean, it could have a big impact, but it's going to be August. Or that's that's always been the timetable for him, and, and I don't he hasn't had any setbacks that I'm aware of. We don't ask about him every day, obviously, because he's still a couple of months away or three months away. So, um, But as we get closer to him, we certainly will. And if I remember to ask, I'll ask, uh, you know, Snit, I, I, I probably know what his response will be is, you know, he's not really thinking about Kirby Yates or, or monitoring them, but he's in the locker room. He's in the clubhouse every day and he's doing his thing and, 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 and throwing. And so he could be a huge impact if he's even close to what he was before he got hurt. This is a guy that led the league in, uh, in saves and had a minuscule ERA and a ton of strikeouts. So if he can come back and, and he's in great shape, I, I, I do know that. I just don't know. You know, I, I'm assuming that everything's going fine with the, with the, uh, surgery so rehab but yeah he could have he could have much needed impact down the stretch and it'd be perfect timing too because you're going to have some guys are going to be fatigued some guy there might be a guy or two on the il at that point i mean that just could be a big boost at a, at a perfect time down the stretch for the bullpen right i mean it's it seems like almost the perfect trade right you get somebody like that who could come in um late in the year so i was excited when they signed him last year yeah you need to see yeah and it backloaded it because they didn't expect you know, next year is the, the really the year they expect to get a lot yeah. out of him. So they, they, they gave him a good contract for that in that regard. Definitely. You know, you can't bank too much on a guy coming back from a major surgery that first year back. Um, you, you definitely can't ride him too hard. So even if he's throwing the ball extremely well, you're you're almost a man short in the bullpen every day. He's on the roster that he pitched the day before. Um, you're probably not going to go back to back. You're probably not going to use him, you know, three out of five or anything like that. Um and, you know, you never know what you're going to get out of a guy's first year back from Tommy John. I think the move's definitely, you know, looking forward to next year. But anything you get out of the, out of him this year is mainly a bonus. But I'm not saying he can't come in and throw a game every day or so, every other day, and be pretty effective if he has his stuff back. He's a huge piece. Right. Agree. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Conrad. Kelly M. What's up, Kelly? Hey, Eric. How are you? Pretty good. Good. I have a question. How soon do you think Michael Harris is going to get to Gwinnett? Well, if he keeps raking, you know, I mean, I, I would, I normally think they call guys like that, you know, give them half a season in double A and then call them up to triple A. Um, if he keeps hitting maybe sooner, but it, it just depends on what the team's plan is for him. Thank you. I think you could see him by mid season triple A. We've seen him do that. You know, it's not like it used to be where, in Snit's era, you know, in player development, where he liked to spend yeah, a whole year at each level. And Snit knows that. He's acknowledged that. 
I mean, we're seeing pitchers shot up through, maybe some of them sometimes too fast, but go through three and even <laughs> Strider's case, four levels last year. But we're also seeing it with some position guys where they move them up at, 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 uh, if not at around the all-star break, then certainly for that last month of the season. But in Harris's case, he's doing so well that, uh, I think we could see him by the middle of the season at triple A for sure. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if you feel like a prospect isn't being challenged by the level anymore, you know, what, what good does it do a guy to hit 350 with 30 homers in double A? You know, right. you, you kind of you want to test them a little bit where they have to struggle and, and deal with failure. Right. A lot of times they try to put a guy in a position not to fail, but to be challenged. And they cruise through that level, too. And that's when you see somebody jump up, you know, two, three levels in a year because they want you facing challenges and having to get better. So, you know, in my mind, if, if he if he's raking and doesn't look challenged by the level, you're not doing him any favors keeping him there. So I'd move him up. Tristan F. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good. Hey, so I'm actually going to be going to um, the doubleheader tomorrow. Do we have any idea of how the the pitching is going to be aligned? I'm assuming Morton will probably pitch one of the two games, and would the second game then be an opener, or what do you guys think? No. Um, no, they're starting a real pitcher in both, and not an opener. They just didn't have the order yesterday. But, so is it going to uh, be Morton and then Wright? Yeah. Oh, Awesome. Yeah, that, I think that's and then Ian the and the Ian the last one. Yeah, that's how it worked out. I have to look at my tweet again to make sure. But hold on one second, Eric, keep talking. All right, Dustin M. Hey, what's up, guys? Just had a couple simple questions. Uh, are you guys noticing anything about Olson? I mean, he's been in a he's running terrible right now. And then uh, I saw this one asked in the chat too. Uh, Dansby upcoming free agent obviously he's starting to pick up a little bit do we think gonna hang on to him do you think we're gonna i don't know move on try to grab somebody else well just you know it's he's he hasn't signed an extension to this point either because the team hasn't offered it to him or he wants more than they think he's worth and you know you go into a season like this a free agent season you're pretty much banking on yourself so i would i would assume his strategy is to try to get the most money and and the best deal for himself and put up the best numbers he can um if he has a rough season i could see them bringing him back if he has a great season you know i mean he's kind of similar to freddie where if you haven't signed him by now he's at least going to go out and, and test a free agent market and anything can happen so i'd guess they just they'd have a price what they think he's worth and see what happens i mean it's, it's scary to I'm pretty sure. And, you know, anytime you let a guy get to free agency, you're risking losing him. But um, it's it's going to be interesting to watch. I don't really have any feel for it right now. And what was the first question? Uh, Olsen? Yeah, you know, I haven't I like haven't watched Olsen it. play enough. To, yeah, you know, I haven't watched him play enough to really know if, if he's streaky. You know, the Braves had uh, Justin Upton for however many years, and his numbers were there at the end of the season, but you watched him go through stretches where there wasn't a single pitch you could throw him that he wasn't going to hit, and then he'd have other stretches where he was off, and it felt like you could throw him anything, and, and he would just miss it because he was off, uh, and it, a lot of it was up to him. Um, I haven't watched Olsen enough to really know if he's that kind of guy, but he's put up his numbers every year, so I'm not really worried about him. Kyle C., you there, Kyle? Yeah. Hey, E, first off, hope you're feeling better, buddy. And then for the both of you, want to get your first impression of uh, of Travis DeMerritt over the past couple of weeks. What's your take? 
I think he's a guy that's realizing, you know, he's getting later in his career. He's had a few opportunities and I think he's playing like he knows that every opportunity he gets might be his last, but you know, I've, I've been impressed with his range in the outfield. I know he's an infielder early on and, and putting that speed out there and letting him play has been cool, but mainly just you're watching a guy that, that wants it and, and is hungry and he's putting up good numbers so far and, and playing like he wants to stay. And at the right time, because these opportunities, you know, like we talked about with Moeller, you never know when the next one's coming. So you got to make the most of it. Um, but he's looked pretty good so far. He's been fun to watch. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. Glenn, you. Hey, Eric, how are you, man? What's going on? Good, good, good. Big fan of the show. Big fan of both of you guys. I'm just wondering with the Braves, what's going on with this, uh, this six-man rotation deal. How long are we going to keep on, uh, you know, bringing up kids to get to, you know, to, to struggle up at the at the major league level? And uh, you know what, what's going on there? How, you know how they're going to approach this? Uh, they're going to continue well, with the six-man rotation. I don't, I, you know, I don't have an answer to that, obviously. But you know, just looking at it with that short spring training, you definitely have to. You can't you can't ride your starters too hard earlier on, and and you got to get some innings out of somebody. Um, and then there's also a ton of double headers this year too, because of the shortened time span for the season. Um, I think they'll just keep trying options. Hopefully somebody comes up, takes that opportunity and runs with it. But, you know, I kind of agree with you. You can't, you can't afford to sacrifice games and, and call guys up that aren't ready either. So they'd have to make an adjustment at some point. Yeah. And another quick question real quick. Uh, Ozzy and, and, and Ozuna on the on the base pads. What, what did you see that where they were uh, arguing a little bit uh, with regards to Ozuna not going on that uh, on that wild pitch? Did you get to see that? Yeah, I saw it. Um, I think it was somewhat <laughs> serious and somewhat joking. You know that a lot of the guys have a relationship where they're able to talk to each other like that. And it might look bad on film, but they're having beers together after the game, and and that's kind of how I saw it was. He was getting his point across in a joking manner, um, but also, mm-hmm. hey, I need you to score on that or, or or be alert. And I think he wanted him to get a better secondary or something like that. But I don't see it as anything that's going to cause tension or stress in the clubhouse. Just teammates being teammates, and it's good to hold each other accountable like that. All right, lo- lo- love your intake. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate yep. it. Yep. Yep. Thanks for coming. All right, on. I'm back on. Cool. Dave's back. All right, we got Alan J. Did you answer the tough question there? Yeah, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Cruise through it. What's up, Alan? Hey, um, I was calling to see, or not calling, <laughs> but have you, any of you guys had a chance to catch any of the games on uh, Apple TV Plus? And if so, uh, do you like the smooth, I guess, more thematic interface that they have and cameras that they use? I have you know what? I've not uh, watched it, and I've got Apple TV, but I've not watched it because I, I just haven't thought to do it. And I've been at the games. I think when there've been Apple games on, do you like it? Is it good? Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, they could use better commentators and stuff, right. but right. you know, that's stuff that's in progress. But <laughs> I do like that they're obviously using more expensive cameras than what we usually see. Um, Bailey, really? Or whatever. No, yes. <laughs> Wow. I'll have to check that out. I, you know, I, I mainly just watch the Braves games when I get a chance, and and don't watch too much else unless I find some downtime and it hasn't lined up with my schedule. But, you know, I think toying with that type of stuff is always a good idea. You mean you're not watching the ESPN two uh, uh, 
Fake Manning Statcast. <laughs> no, no, A Rod. I don't, I don't, and, and I don't need K. any extra A Rod in my life. <laughs> well, thanks, Alan. Uh, Mark T. I saw somebody. I saw somebody ask uh, what A Rod would do at commissioner for a day, and he listed like ten things, and none of them made much sense. But I just thought banning himself for life would have been a good one. Yeah. Hey guys. So I appreciate you guys doing this. It's awesome. I got two questions. One is you mentioned Kirby Yates earlier. What do you think about trying to do some, a similar deal with Luke Jackson with him recovering from Tommy John surgery? Yeah. Because he's under arbitration this year. Gives him yeah. a chance to get a little security because he doesn't. He has no idea what's going to happen next year. And then yeah, the second Eric thing has been is, in this position before he talked about it. Um, I certainly hope they will, and I think Luke is is viewed so favorably within the organization that they would strongly consider that. I would hope, you know, to give him a, say, a two-year deal uh, that's backloaded or that's, you know, to allow him to come back. I mean, you know, they're paying Soroka to rehab this year. And uh, Luke, as much as he gave the organization in the world championship season and the years before that, I think warrants that. I think he's done enough to warrant that, uh, you know, in hopes that, you know, especially that second year coming back, it could really help again. Yeah. I can tell you one thing that there'd be nothing more comforting than having some guaranteed money for next year. You know, if you're in Luke's shoes and you know, you're going to miss, you're going to start the year off slow, but to just go through the off season, knowing where you're going to be. If they threw a deal at him and said, you know, here's guaranteed 2 million next year. Will you sign it now? You know, obviously that's a pay cut, but knowing that, that he can take his time coming back and not try to rush out and, and get a deal. Um, any major league contract he could sign with guaranteed money. If I was in his shoes, I'd take it. Yeah. What I was looking at is maybe try to do a, th- uh, a three-year deal and include this arbitration year. That way he gets this year, spread the money out over those three years. Cause next year is not really going to be the year he comes back. Good. The year after. Well, he's really a free agent. He's a free agent after this season. Yeah. So he'll be he'll be in a position to be looking for a job. And normally, you know, if you're if you're coming off of Tommy John, there's that question mark on you. Uh, it's going to be a low salary and every guaranteed year after that. You know, if they guarantee him three years and he comes back from Tommy John, has to have it again. Uh, there's no reason on the team's part to really risk anything other than a one year deal unless they think they can get him at a discount and really believe he's progressing well. And the, the best thing about the Braves is they're going to be able to watch these first six months of rehab themselves you know with their eyes on them so they'll, they'll have a better perspective than anybody else yeah and my second point is dave as much as trey turner's been a braves killer the last five or six years <laughs> do you think next year he's going to be the target for alex as for the shortstop now, they really don't have anybody for two to three years with von grissom being the closest one he's in low a that's a good question. I think Trey Turner would certainly be a candidate. Snit loves the guy. He's killed the Braves, like you said, um, when he was with the Nationals. And um, a little player, man. Good player. A lot of speed. They can certainly use a little more speed added to the lineup. And, um, you know, I don't think they're going to probably go all in for, say, Correa um, after the big contracts the big contract they gave Olsen, but who knows, man? I mean, it depends on what they do this year. Attendance obviously going through the roof. It's, it's huge. Um, but Korea, if he has a good year and opts out with Minnesota, and who knows, he might not opt out. They might do so well and he stays, but I doubt it. 
Um, he's probably going to get over $30 million a year if he opts out. He wouldn't opt out otherwise. So. But in answer to your question, I think Trey Turner, if they do not re-sign Dansby to, a, to an extension, I think Trey Turner would certainly be among the candidates. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of getting him just so he can't hurt you. You see teams do that a lot. All right, thanks, Mark. Uh, Jeremy P. What's up, Jeremy? What's up, Jeremy? Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yep, yep, yep. Hey, I just hopped on a few minutes ago, so forgive me if you guys covered this, but um, was what was the logic in uh, basically pushing back free to tonight, and they've got good matchups set up for this series, but it feels like they're stumbling coming into this series. The Mets are obviously on a good roll. Uh, it it kind of sets up to me as, as much of a pressure series as you could have in the month of May. I mean, um, you know, that was – I just wondered about that. It felt like yeah. he set up the matchups on purpose. Yeah, we did go over that earlier. Snit, uh, Snit was asked about it, and Snit said that he didn't do it for any other reason than to give Freed an extra day of rest. I don't, I don't think that's accurate. I think he did it to get the matchup uh, against the Mets. He wanted his best four guys. But um, if he's going to stand by, he only did it to give Freed an extra day of rest. He can't really <laughs> – you know, dispute other than say, I thought he did it to get you know, better matchups, but it backfired because they didn't win a series against the lowly Rangers. And, uh, if Freed had pitched yesterday, they probably would have, but you know, their offense didn't do anything in that series other than the middle game, the first and third games, they really didn't do anything. So who knows? Who knows what they would have done yesterday? They, for whatever reason, they could not handle a couple of those, those pitchers that, that range or several of those pitchers, the Rangers threw at them. And they weren't exactly decorated guys that were doing it. You know but what yeah. scares me about the Mets? Buck Showalter. I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest yeah. acquisitions of the offseason. Because he's got yeah. them playing. You know, even if it's a even if it's a manufactured chip on their shoulder, the whole getting hit by pitch thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. he's got them playing pissed off. And you know, me and Dave have said plenty of times that it seems like for the Mets, things just always happen or come up and their seasons fall apart. But bringing a guy like Buck in that, that knows how to handle this all and rally his yeah. troops is, I, I, I think you're seeing them play a lot different baseball this year. And that's a little scary. So I think it is time to start taking the Mets serious. Oh, no doubt. Because three factors to me really stand out that, that have changed the culture there. One, Cohen's wallet. Yep. Two, Buck Walter, and three, Max Scherzer. Absolutely. Max Scherzer, what he does, even though he's a starting pitcher, he only goes every five days. What he does, he's the bell cow of that pitching staff, but also the entire team sees him go out there and stalks the mound when he's out there at his age and the preparation he puts into every start. And I think he's just gone a long way in changing the culture. They got rid of a couple of bad apples. Lindor is flourishing this year. He's back to being the guy we thought he would be last year. The guy he was in Cleveland every year. So I just think they've successfully finally changed the culture there by the sheer force of uh, Cohen's wallet and Showalter's managerial. He's been through everything. He knows how to handle personalities. And then bringing Scherzer in, I just don't think can be overestimated or overstated how important he can be to a team. Yep. yep. Little, yeah, I agree. Little plug, yep. little plug agree. for the athletic. It was a really good piece on Showalter uh, today that I read. Cool. Thank uh, you. I have to read that too. To Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Tim M. 
What's up, Tim? Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Um, yeah. Cool. Um, so just wanted to know, um, I guess, your guys' thoughts on Elder getting sent down. I know he's obviously had some issues with control, um, but was he sent down mainly to to get an arm for the start against Texas, or is he going to be down there for a while trying to figure things out, you think? Be down there till he stops walking people, you know, and a lot of times you go down to AAA and stop walking people just by being in AAA. But that's one thing that major league teams aren't going to tolerate is, is four, five, six walks a game. And I yeah. think, so I think it had, had a lot to do with performance. Yeah. I think it was a point of diminishing return with him because as confident as he was after that first start, as much as we thought, Oh my God, this guy's debuted like that. Oh, it's look out, man. He's ready. And then you go out and you walk so many guys and teams get a book on you and they know they can make you throw strikes and they're going to spit on some of those pitches they were swinging at in that first game. Then all of a sudden, if he keeps walking guys like that, who's benefiting from that? Not him and not the team. So he's got to kind of go back down and get it back together. Now he knows exactly what he needs to do at the big league level to succeed. Kind of like Kyle Wright knew. It just took him a while to put it together. But he knew when he went got sent down what he needed to do when he was brought back and uh, you know, they've all been through it. It just takes different guys, different amount of time. And, you know, got to remember he was the second non first rounder from that draft to make it to the big leagues. And the first was Strider. So they, they were the first two non first rounders from that draft to get to the big league. So it was, it was a rapid ascent and it was not going to be without setbacks at some point. We should have known that. And, and we're seeing that. So, but, yeah, it wasn't just to get another arm. That's not why they sent him down. They sent him down because he's had three mediocre to bad starts after having that terrific debut. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay, cool. Thanks. But I really think he's going to be good. I really like his, his mental approach. I like his four four to five pitch mix. He just needs to hone it. Maybe, maybe, maybe throw out one of those pitches and work on four. But uh, I really like his overall talent and his mental uh, – Ability is his mental, his approach. I, I think he's got all of the, all the intangibles it takes to be a big league pitcher. At least the middle. Yeah, of the, his, middle his ability to work out of jams was was impressive. Yeah. You just you know yeah. you can't you can't get away with always putting yourself in those situations. And I think they'd like to see him, you know, maybe have one or two innings where you're first and second no outs, but not be uh, doing a high wire act every inning. Thanks. All Tim. right, that's been great, yep, man. Thanks. Hey, thanks, Tim. Appreciate it, everybody. Thanks for getting on here with us. We really, uh, we really thank you guys for taking part in this thing as we work through the kinks of it, and uh, hopefully, it's hopefully it's uh, enjoyable for you guys. Get something out of it, and hopefully, it'll be <laughs> some more good things to talk about with the Braves. Get things turned around. Thanks a lot. Agreed. We are out. Appreciate it.